to welcome back to the Shamrock Return Business, Dane Brugler, our NFL draft expert, uh, author of The Beast, which if you haven't read it, or maybe you're still reading it after starting uh, a couple weeks ago, 400 run scouting reports, 1,893 rankings, if I got that right? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. He lose it count. all runs together. So, yeah, exactly. You get to weak side defensive end numbers 28 and 29, it sort of runs together. I don't know. When you start talking about Davenport pass rushers, it's, you know, you kind of like, what, what am I doing? Um, but you know what? Hey, scouts are going there to get 40 yard dash time. So it's worth our attention. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, t- testing data for almost 1900 players. That's I promise you're not going to find that at another, any other draft guides. No, no. I, I'm always impressed. Like when I read the uh, sort of biography stuff about Notre Dame guys, one, I, I get very upset when there's something in there I didn't know because um, it's like, that's my job to know it. But this year, I mean, I love like the fact that you had a reference to like Isaiah Foskey grow up in kind of like a disciplined home. Uh, his dad was in the military, you know, the the mayor right. stuff with his brother being a high school basketball player and wanting to play at Kentucky. I've written about that. So, yeah, but I, that stuff is is great because I, I do not know how you find that on uh, 500 people. No, it's it's a lot of talking with NFL scouts, and you know you find out, that, and it's funny. I I joke around with people about my NFL draft guide uh, black book, the th- things I I wasn't allowed to include uh, in, in the actual guide. Um, you know, some personal stuff, and um, you know things that either uh, the player didn't want me to include, or uh, our editors said, eh, probably not. Um, and so there's a lot a lot of stuff on these guys that you get, and it's all about painting a picture, you know, understanding, I think to understand where they're headed, you need to know where, where they came from and that no two journeys are the same. And to learn about these guys, uh, when they start playing football, uh, are they multi-sport athletes growing up? Uh, you know, where, what is their, their family background? Like any adversities they had to go through, uh, what was their recruitment? Were they a no-star guy, five-star guy? Um, it, it just all the different things about their background. I, I find fascinating. And honestly, it's my favorite part about doing this, um, is just doing that investigative work and talking with anybody that I, I can talk to, uh, to learn more about each one of these guys, to give them, you know, the proper, proper due, uh, so people can understand, uh, more about them. Well, we'll get into the Notre Dame guys deep in a minute, but just with the drafts roughly a week away, right? Um, what's most interesting to you the last seven days and then night one, like what, what sort of got your attention about it most? Yeah, it's got to be the quarterbacks, and uh, that that's what drives the discussions, and obviously, yeah. and everything. But uh, it, the closer we get, the more confident I feel Bryce Young is going to be that number one pick to the Panthers, and then the intrigue starts at number two with the Texans. Um, you know, I think from the outside looking in, it's easy to say, well, obviously they need to draft a quarterback, but this is a, a first year head coaching staff that they don't feel pressured to. Uh, push the envelope if they don't have to, you know, if they're not completely sold 100% as a staff that a quarterback is worth taking at number two, they're not going to do it. And Nick Casario is the general manager uh, of the Texans. You know, he has to listen to his coaches and and understand what is best for the franchise. So that what happens at number two, uh, do they take the quarterback? Do they trade out? Do they take a, a Will Anderson, a Tyree Wilson, the top non-quarterback uh, on their board? 
Uh, and then what is the ripple effect of that? You know, where does uh, you know the Cardinals at three? They'll be getting plenty of phone calls about trade opportunities. The Colts, we know, want to get a quarterback. Where, where do the Colts move? Uh, do they try to trade up? Do they uh, stay put at four and feel good about it, it, whether it's Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, whoever falls to them? Uh, and then who, where, who are the wild card teams that could trade up into the top ten to snag one of these guys? Uh, the Titans have made plenty of calls looking to trade up, um, at least lay the groundwork about what it would cost. Uh, but then you have teams like the, the Buccaneers who are in quarterback purgatory right now in the post-Tom Brady era. Um, you know, the, the Vikings are in a weird spot where they could potentially draft the quarterback of the future. So a lot of intrigue with these quarterbacks, kind of the opposite of last year where we had one quarterback go in the first 73 picks. This year, we're going to have four go pretty early. And then some teams are even uh, pretty bullish about Hennon Hooker and, uh, you know, trying to get him in the first round. So the, the quarterback conversation, trying to figure it out here this final week, and then ultimately what happens on the first night of the draft, that that's what I'm going to be most interested in. From a Notre Dame point of view, your seven-round mock draft came out. Notre Dame would have, if that first round played out the way that you had it. Notre Dame will have played seven of those guys. Um, Stroud, Murphy, Paris Johnson, Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Brian Brisset, and Jordan Addison. And then you've got Michael Mayer at number 26. Yeah. In the Beast, you have him as tight end number one. In your mock draft, you have him as tight end number two behind Dalton Kincaid. Um, take me through that, like how, how you sort of see that playing out. Because I think for Notre Dame fans, it's a bit sacrilegious to like not have Mayor be tight end number one. I got I was like in a Brock Bowers fight all year about yeah. him. But um, what what do you like about Mayor? And then give me sort of the reasons that Mayor may slip a little bit because there I think that is a little bit of a kind of a talking point lately. Yeah, and I, I think I had a sign off Twitter that day when uh, the <laughs> Mackey Award came out. Uh, you know, I that. Michael Mayer, the moment he showed up, I mean, you, you think about um, how many tight ends this program has produced, and yet um, this is in three years what he was able to do production-wise, um, you know, set all the records. And um, it, the moment he set foot on South Bend's campus, I mean, he or the Notre Dame's campus in South Bend, he was the guy. And um, I, there, he might not have a truly elite trait, and I think that's where maybe the disconnect is why he's not a you know, I heard it all over the summer and earlier this year, people saying, oh, he's a you know, top 10 pick. It's like, no, nah, he's a good player. He's a good prospect. He's not viewed as a top 10 pick by NFL teams. Um, he is viewed as a potential first rounder because he doesn't have a lot of holes. Uh, yeah. You feel really good about what he's bringing to your offense. He's a guy that can line up in line. You can detach him. He can work the seam. He can work the middle of the field. He's one of the better contested catch receivers, uh, pass catchers at the, at the tight end position that I've evaluated the last five, six, seven years. Um, and he just, uh, you, you feel really good about what he gives you from day one. Uh, I was watching, uh, the 2001 NFL draft had it on the background last night. Cause I'm a sicko. Um, and the rate, the Ravens drafted Todd heat 31st overall that year. And I'm looking at these old, uh, clips of Todd heat, but I'm thinking, wow, that, that looks like Michael Mayer. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, and go back and look at the testing numbers and it's on 32 inch vert. The size is almost identical. The 40 is almost identical. The bench press almost identical. I was like, okay, you know, this, this is, uh, this might be the comp for Michael Mayer is Todd heap. And, you know, Todd heap, Made some Pro Bowls, had a good career. I, I think that's the expectation for uh, Michael Mayer with NFL teams, which is it, it's not a negative at all. I mean, we're, I don't know that we'll ever talk about Michael Mayer as being a top five tight end in the NFL, but mm -hmm. we'll be talking about him as one of the, you know, as 
you know, a Jason Witten type, a, a guy that is just uh, reliable day in, day out. Uh, you know what you're getting as a blocker, as a receiver. And then before you know it, you look up and he's had a 12-year career and uh, has, you know, smashed all these records because the volume is there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he falls on draft night. I think that – I don't think he gets past the Cowboys at 26. Um, if he's on the board there, I think that he'll be wearing a star on his helmet – um, so if somehow we did fall past there, I don't think he could get past the Bengals uh, with their needs at tight end, but we could easily see him go earlier, um, you know, somewhere early in the 20s. Uh, that's possible as well. The Chargers are a possibility, um, but I do think it's more more likely we see him go in the back half around one than the front half. Could the, you know, the Packers, they're picking right around that range. Uh, right in the middle is that that's possible, but I think it's more likely we see him in in the back half of round one. And uh, when you factor in with uh, this tight end group, that's the other thing is this is a mm-hmm. deep tight end class. So I think some teams will look at it and say, yeah, we, we do really like these tight ends. But at the same time, we feel good about Sam Laporta or Schoonmaker or uh, you know one of these other guys in rounds two, three, four. Um, you know, we'll get our corner here or a tackle or whatever it may be. So that, that's how some teams are going to look at this tight end position. It's not a knock against Mayer or Dalton Kincaid. And, and, and I think there's a lot of debate about how these top tight ends should be ranked. But honestly, it, it, it's, it just comes down to what you want in your tight end. Uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid, I think, in my opinion, is the best pure pass catcher in this draft. Um, and that includes wide receivers, his ability to go up and isolate the football, uh, the ball skills. Um, I mean, he is he just I always like to compare touchdown uh, catches uh, compared to drops. And I want to see what that ratio is for receivers and tight ends. If you have more drops than tight end catches in your career, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, for Dalton Kincaid, he his ratio is 35 to four <laughs> touchdown catches uh, to drop. So this is a guy that is extremely productive. Um it, the, the injury stuff worries you a little bit and hasn't been able to work out uh, before the draft. Um, and, you know, but I, I, what I've been told from teams is he might miss mini camp, but he'll be fine for training camp. So I don't think it'll drop him too much. Um, and then, you know, you factor in Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Darnell Washington, Georgia. It, it just right. all depends on the type of tight end that you want because all these guys are a little bit different and offer something a little bit different to, uh, to your offense. All right, Isaiah Foskey, I think when when he made the decision to come back for his senior year, the it was, you know, a bit of a business proposition for him. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I have a second round grade from the scouting, I think, you know, the underclassmen uh, advisory committee a year ago, come back, try to play my way into a one. That's that's not going to happen for him. Um you have him as a or I think an early third, maybe a second. Um when I talked to Isaiah at Pro Day, he mentioned that he would he had gotten some questions about like the the how much do you love football stuff, um, which is like to me is always like this red flag that prospects have a hard time shaking. Um, what what do you think? And you know, the Beast I think did a good job of explaining sort of his strengths and weaknesses. But where where do you think? he maybe missed the mark on like moving up into to becoming play himself into like a late one um or a, a rock solid early two um what's what's sort of missing do you think with him because i mean you look at him physically even yeah. in the nfl i know there are a lot of people built like hercules out there but like he's a good looking prospect i would think he's somebody oh, yeah. that you probably want to work with 
No, and that's the thing is, um, you know, talking with my buddies that are Midwest scouts and, and, you know, have done a lot of work on Foskey. It's, you know, you kind of beat them up uh, for for certain reasons, but then you come back to it, realize, you know, like this guy is double digit sacks each last two years. Um, the, the, The biggest worry, I think, with him is just the he's a little predictable. Like mm-hmm. you, there, there isn't much mystery. If you're an offensive tackle and you have to block Isaiah Foskey, you do worry about that speed. You do worry about that length. Um, but that's, he relies so much on that long arm. He relies so much on just pure speed to win the corner that if you're able to, to combat that speed, combat that length, uh, you know, you can you can corral him and you can control him uh, because his inside counters aren't developed. Uh, you know, his secondary moves have not been developed. And so I think that's what I wanted to see from him this year is a more diverse pass rush attack um, instead of just relying on that speed to power with that long arm and um, you know using that speed. So that lack of diversity as a rusher is why I mean, he's my number 60 overall player. So yeah, late two. Um, but again, you know, I think, you know, when talking with scouts about him it, at, at the end of the day, you beat him up because of that lack of diversity, but at the same time, he still has speed. He still has length. He still has a motor that runs hot and you could absolutely, there's value in that. So you don't want to beat him up too much and drop him, you know, the third, fourth round. This is still a guy that you are going to consider in the second round uh, because of, you know, you add him as part of your, your pass rush rotation and what he can, you know, add a little bit of juice uh, off the edge, even if it is in sub packages uh, to start. I mean, you can throw on the tape against Syracuse and watch him cover Sean Tucker on a wheel route. Um, you know, so he has uh, that speed and that length that you want to work with. It's just, okay, does he have the upside to be more than that? Can our coaches get more out of him? Um, so even though he's not going to be that that first-round player, there's still value in what he has to offer. Do you think the Ohio State game kills him a little bit? Because I know talking to people on the staff at Ohio State, they they coming into the game, they're like, mm. we're not sure what we're going to do with number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, How do we block this guy? And then midway through the game, they're like, all right, we we got him one on one, and that that sort of like changed their outlook of like what Notre Dame's defense was, and like that's that's a money game, right? Like, and and, and I don't know if like scouts view it the same way that media does, where it's like if you're going against Paris Johnson, like who won? Paris Johnson won, Par- so Paris Johnson moves up, Isaiah Foskey moves down. Is it is it that simple sometimes? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think scouts don't. Uh, they, it's more body of work than anything with these guys. Sure. But they, you know, especially when, um, so scouts are on the road all fall. Obviously, you know, they compile their reports in December, send them to the you know, facility, and then in February before the combine, when they put together their their pre pre combine draft board, um, you know, scouts are in, I mean, it's a little different everywhere, but for the most part, scouts are in town for a couple of weeks before the combine and they're, they have these draft meetings. And with Isaiah Foskey, if I'm a general manager who hasn't been on the road, I haven't been, um, you know, seeing this guy, every snap that he's had, I want to see, okay, let's see Isaiah Foskey. All right. Well, it played Ohio state. All right, let's put that game on. I want to see how we did against, you know, the better opponent on the schedule. And, and obviously it wasn't a, a great game for him um, or a, a highlight uh, type of tape. And so for a general manager, a director of scouting, the, the non-area scouts who don't see the full body of work, mm-hmm. they're going to focus on those games uh, against an Ohio State. And, you know, if you're not able to really pop off the screen, that's something that uh, will ultimately kind of matter when you're the teams are stacking these guys on the board.
Jared Patterson is, you know, in your mock draft, the third and last Notre Dame player that would be picked, um, which I think when the season started, you'd be like, okay, Notre Dame has five, six draftees. The fact that we could be sitting here at three, I think is a different story for another time. But like with Patterson, it was another kind of business decision. Come back, work mm-hmm. with Harry Heastand. You know, his right. Patterson's outlook was like, I don't just want to like be in the league. I want to be able to like thrive in the league. Um what uh, the I was interested in terms of the center guard stuff. How much do you think that actually will benefit him? Uh, and then, sort of, if teams will look at him, if you're if you're drafting somebody in round five, round six that you know is not a a surefire starter, maybe, mm-hmm. but this guy could be a backup at two, three positions. Um, right. That's really what his his biggest value is. And that obviously matters. You know, that's something that is is talked about with teams. Um, and I, I, I've heard a lot of different opinions on on Patterson, anywhere from fourth round to seventh round. So I won't be surprised anywhere on day three uh, if Jarrett Patterson is the first pick on day three or doesn't go into the seventh round. I, I really wouldn't be surprised because I think opinions are pretty split on on him. And you know, I, I, the injury stuff this past year was a bummer for him. Um, you know, you could tell some of the games where he was out there, he just wasn't hundred percent. Right. Um, moving positions at, to guard and then at the senior bowl, uh, playing both center and guard. Um, you know, I, I, to me, I just, he looked more comfortable inside at center. And so I think that he does have the functional versatility where he's, you could put him at guard, but I, I think his best position is going to be at center. Um, not the longest player, and that's something that does show up quite a bit. But, you know, he's a smart player. Um, he understands angles. He understands uh, position and where he needs to be to uh, keep uh, defenders mirrored and keep them in front of him, uh, keep, try to keep them centered. And so um, I, I think that's something that teams are going to want in their offensive line room. That 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 versatility we talked about, the uh, you know ability to um, step in as a sixth or seventh offensive lineman and not hurt you, um, and uh, the, 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 the fact that he's played through pain, that he, that he has that yeah. toughness to him, that's something that I know you know Scott's have brought up with Jarrett Patterson. So you know there's a lot of the intangible factor um, that uh, even though he, he did have some rough spots on tape, teams are going to look at the intangibles, look at the football character, and say you know this is this type of guy that we want as a as a back. He might not be a you know development type of player where he's got this huge ceiling. We we feel like we know what he is, but that's okay because he can step in and be a really quality depth piece for us. And, and, and on day three, that's exactly what you're looking for. So right. I you know I don't think there's any um, you know any if he does get on the field, I think that he'd be able to hold his own. But I don't think anybody looks at him and says, "Okay, you know, there's this huge ceiling. Uh, he's going to be our, our, you know, ten year starter and, and that type of thing." But you know, Notre Dame offensive linemen have surprised us before, so we'll see. Brandon Joseph, I think, started the year as like eh, it could be could be a day two pick, and now probably an undrafted free agent. Um, what I don't know if you've talked to scouts about him or just like sort of his season and draft run up. I think the combine was not a great. Uh, situation for him in terms of the numbers and the testing there like what overall like what do you think happened with him well i i i think he was uh propped up a little bit too much um in 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 some media circle i mean because he had that great uh you had six interceptions that yeah freshman year yeah it's like we were talking about games against ohio state mattering like he had a big game against ohio state as a freshman 
He, he did. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think he's been, you know, he, that he, he's been holding on to that, you know, a lot, and a lot of people have been holding on to that. Um, but I, I think when you watch his tape, you, you see a player that was inconsistent versus a run and not the type of athlete that is going to be able to cover NFL wide receivers as a post safety, as a nickel safety. So I, you know, I gave him a, a sixth, seventh round grade, you know, if he gets drafted late, uh, you know, I, I certainly understand why. Um, but, you know, and, and I, transferring to Notre Dame, I just don't know that he did enough this past year uh, to really say, okay, you know, I, th- this is why I should be drafted. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, he brings special teams experience that'll help. Um, you know, you, you like guys that have proven their ability to get their hands on the football, 10 career interceptions. You know, there's only so many safeties in this class that can say they had double digit interceptions in college. So it's not like the resume doesn't have some high points on it. It's just a matter of, you know, teams draft traits and his traits are more average than above average. And at the safety position, you can't really compromise because if you're the last line of defense. If we can't trust you back there, uh, you know, you're going to give up, uh, give up points. And so can he do enough on special teams? Can he do enough, uh, you know, to prove that, you know, once he does get into camp or on a roster, can he earn a roster spot? That, that'll that be uh, the big key for him. Uh, I'll get you out on this. Like in terms of scouting guys, talking to scouts, is there anyone Notre Dame tangential that, popped for you next year because uh, there's not a mayor there's not a kyle hamilton guys that we've asked you about a full year in advance um is there anybody that's interesting to you that way and i don't know if if sam hartman qualifies um in that way in terms of he's there's a lot of tape on him um is it but is there anybody from notre dame that's like this is this is somebody who's interesting uh the, the uh who's the receiver styles um yeah the, so the he they just moved him to corner. Uh, oh, okay. So he, he was an interesting athlete. I, I he he was a, at least a name I wrote down. So that that's interesting. They moved him to corner. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a, like Riley Mills is a defensive lineman who hasn't mm-hmm. done a lot yet, but is right. built like you know he's six six uh, and two ninety five. Um, you know Sam Hartman has obviously played a ton of football. Like that will be interesting to watch. But uh, and obviously right. like Joe Alt Blake Fisher. Um, that, yeah, two exactly. tackles that will be top. I don't know if those guys, if people it, that you talk to are even aware of non like Mayor Hamilton types a year from a year in advance. No, definitely. Th- those are names I, I I don't scout ahead of time just because I there's only so much room in this brain of mine. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I will not get into them until probably June. Uh, but there are at least names I wrote down. I wrote down yeah, Alt's name, Fisher's name, a um, couple of linebackers I wrote down. Because um, you can't help when you're watching Isaiah Foskey, you can't help but uh, notice uh, you know some of these other guys. So uh, was it Liafu? Uh, uh Maris Leofau. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I wrote down his name as a guy that he at least did something on tape that made me write him down. Um uh Bertrand. Uh yeah, and yeah, Jack Kaiser's the other line. Like, you Kaiser, know, Ben yeah. freshman corner. He's a few okay. years. Away. Um, but yeah, that's it'll be interesting to sort of see where this shakes out next year because like I don't, there's not a first belt. Joe Alt could be a first rounder if he came out as a right. true junior, which offensive linemen don't do a lot, but mm-hmm. um that will be uh, that will be one to watch. But but to your point about Sam Hartman, I I'm, I am interested to see him transitioning out of that week because that was the big question with scouts is you know he at Wake Forest he's 
that slow mesh offense? What does he look like in a new scheme um, with, uh, you know, different talent around him? And so I Hartman, if he came out, maybe a late round draft pick. Now going to Notre Dame, I, I'm really interested to see what his development looks like now um, in, in a new setting and a new scheme. I mean, is it reasonable for him to go from like a sixth, seventh round pick to a third round pick? Um, oh, I, I, I think if you think that he can start, yes. I mean, but is he is he on a backup trajectory? Is he, yeah. you know, I because if he's on a backup trajectory, you probably talk about a fourth round pick anywhere on day three. But if he does enough where he convinces a team that hey, I I can start games in the NFL, uh, you know, maybe 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 he can get there. Um, definitely keeping an open mind because of. We know what he did at Wake Forest in that a scheme and that offense. Uh, it's going to look very different uh, at Notre Dame. And so interested to see what uh, what he can do. No doubt. All right. Well, Dane, thanks for making some time for us on uh, this busiest time of the year for you. We appreciate it. If you're an athletic subscriber, you definitely need to be the beast. The mock draft. You've got a top 300 coming out this week as well. Yeah. Um, so plenty of stuff before you get to actually sit back and enjoy the draft like the rest of us. Yeah. No, thanks, Pete. I appreciate it.